0: with me to the book of uh, psalms brother jacob you have that amplified bible you don't okay brother dale would you go to my office and get me the i think it's an amplified king james combo and bring that to me please because i'm going to need it uh, several times tonight let's begin tonight in uh, psalms 25 i'm beginning a brand new series tonight i have some notes here some new notes some old notes Mainly some old notes, but I got new notes written on it and new, new comments and different things. But God's been dealing with me about this for a while. And uh, I don't know, you know, I just have some things in my heart I want to share and want to talk to you about. And we'll see how it goes from there. But I want to talk to you about your, uh, your prayer life. I want to talk to you about having times of prayer with God. And I would like to call it maybe more like times of intimacy with Him. Uh, You know, I know in my own life there's different levels. I don't want to say this, uh, you know, correctly. (laughs) There's different levels of people, different levels. Now, people are all the same as far as their importance to God and all that and my respect for people. But everybody I can't fellowship with on the same level because not everybody understands how I think or how I understand and so forth. And so being with people who understand that or people who understand how to talk on different levels with me is a great joy to my heart. I can't do that with just everybody because everybody doesn't understand that. Uh, And it is with the Father. He would like to get more intimate with you and more, uh, you know, the teenagers have a word and I don't want to sound too slangy but kind of tight with you. He'd like to be tighter with you, but sometimes if you don't understand the way he thinks and the way he functions, it's difficult for him to do that with you. So I want to approach it kind of on this level, that when we're talking about prayer, the number one goal that you should think about when you're praying is fellowship with God. It's not getting your needs met. It's not, uh, you know, getting an answer of prayer for Uncle Henry or Aunt Mabel, or whatever. You know, and that, those things are important, especially in your personal family, your husband, your wife, your children, or your church. And you understand what I'm saying? I'm not negating the fact of prayer. Uh, and that particular kind of prayer I'm referring to now would be the prayer of uh, uh, where we're asking God for something, a prayer petition, or a request. But the number one goal in our prayer life should be, first and foremost, is to fellowship. With the Father. See? Now this is a lot of times, if you're listening to me, and uh, you really pay attention here, you're going to say some things tonight. The reason that our marriages are not better than they are is because we don't have any quality fellowship in them. We can have babies together. We can eat meals together. We can have sex together. But we don't have much intimacy and fellowship together. The reason families fall apart because parents and children have no real fellowship together. We see each other, we eat together, we sleep in the same house, etc. But we don't have any kind of intimacy when it comes to fellowship like this. The reason sometimes people never really get to know somebody else, I'm talking about me here, the pastor sometimes, they're never willing to change to have a kind of intimate fellowship with me that I would like to have. And so I have to just keep everything at a superficial level because that's all they give me. I wish I had an amen, but I know it hurts sometimes. Now, everybody could call me their pastor, and I could be their pastor to the degree they let me pastor them, but I can't fellowship with everybody just because I'm their pastor at the same level, just because they're sheep in this house. I can't, pass, I can't fellowship with the pastors that I fellowship with on the same level. Some are deeper, some are shallower. Some are more intimate, much more, and some are very just superficial. And I'd like to say this, it's normally very seldom ever on my side. Because what I'd like to do is help everybody, and I know I can help people. See, I cannot help people just by telling them what I think or I feel or my opinion, but I can help everybody by telling them what I know the Bible teaches. And that takes somebody that's willing to listen. Some people I get around, they do all the talking. So my fellowship is limited. I'm just going to ride this horse for a while. I know he's starting to fall by the side here. But, uh, you know, if I'm with you and you do all the talking and then we get ready to go and you say, hey, pastor, pray for me. Well, I can lay hands on you and pray for you. That's no problem. But I, you haven't let me minister to you or talk to you. And here's the key to learn about the Lord. I'm talking about the Lord. See, the same relationship you have with me or your mates, the same kind of relationship you have with Father. If you don't ever let your husband talk, you don't ever let God talk. You do all the talking in your prayer life. You know, if there's men here and they're bullies and they just boss their wife around tell them what to do and never really listen to their wife, I can guarantee you don't have a bunch of relationship with Jesus because you try to do Him that way. See, prayer is fellowship with the Father. It's not getting my needs met. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with us wanting to get our needs met. You know what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with us praying. If I told you last night I prayed for my wife because she had some symptoms. Or if I need to pray for my children or something else, you know, that's fine. Or I need to pray for you. We're not, we're not condemning that. But you see uh, where I'm going, if you're listening to me, you see when we're talking to God, there comes a time when we need to listen to see what He's saying to us about something. Instead of always going to God with our our list, well, Lord, I want you to do this and this and this and this. There's nothing wrong with having a prayer list as long as you're led of the Spirit. And what I'm going to share with you tonight, if you'll do what I'm going to share with you tonight, out of your fellowship with God will come your prayer life. Out of your fellowship with God, Will come your prayer life. Now, saying that does not mean that you can't read good books on prayer or be in this service with me as I'm teaching you on prayer. That's important. We've got to learn things, and some of it's learned. A lot of it's learned. And some of it's caught by listening to somebody else pray or watching somebody else pray that knows more than you do. But it's also learning the scriptures and learning how to use the scriptures. The Bible calls it, you know, I said use the scriptures. Yeah. Learning to be skillful with the new covenant. See, a lot of people don't know how to be skillful in the, with the covenant. And they're not getting any results from God on it either. you got to learn to be skillful. I mean, if you, you're a carpenter or you're a, uh, some kind of a a person who works with their hands and you have a big box of tools, which some people don't, you know, I wouldn't even know what some of the tools are today. You know, they're so everything's come ahead so much. But you, you have to use certain kind of tools on certain kind of conditions. I noticed a commercial for Sears the other day, Bob Vela or something, had some of these things that will pull out any kind of screw that's de-threaded on the head of it. The head thread's all reamed out. And they had these things you put on a, like a drill and it'll reverse those things right out because they're specially designed to grip down in there and turn that thing out. You're not going to get that with a regular Phillips screwdriver. And same it is with prayer. Sometimes we're using the wrong piece of equipment trying to get an answer for this thing over here. And it's not working. You know, men don't understand. Well, I go to work every day. That's good enough for her. She don't want you to just go to work. You ought to go to work. But she wants you to love her. And same with women. You know, they need to get a clue about their husbands and what their husbands need. See, because how would that come? Through fellowship with them. Not just talking to them, listening to them. Not just telling them what you think and need, but listening to what they say and vice versa. Well, I know you're quiet, but that's okay. It's hard to say amen when you're eating. I, I, see, this, our whole approach sometimes, and I've known this for years and taught it to the intercessors years ago. I said, if you come to intercessory class, as an escape, kind of like you never do any praying yourself and you just kind of come on Monday night to pray because I'm praying and I'm leading you and you don't have any personal prayer time every day with God, you're pretty. You're really in a bad way. This, this class was not, tonight's different, but I'm talking about when we had intercessory prayer on Monday night for 16 years, I taught on prayer. Anybody in this church that was a member could have came to it. Many didn't. Many just blew it off like, well, I ain't got time for that. But I told the intercessors who did come, if you don't keep your prayer life up personally, you don't belong in this class with me praying for other people because you're, you're falling apart anyway. See, see, do you see the thing I'm saying about prayer? Here's the same principle taken over in what I'm saying now. We come to God, we say, Lord, do this, do that, heal this, give me this, do that. God's not, He's not a, hes not trying to hold back on you if you've been listening to me for the last five years. He wants to bless your socks off, but what He really wants from you is your fellowship. Amen. And that's different than just coming with our gimme list. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you tonight. But you have to come to grips with some of these things just like I do and have. I wrote down on this piece of paper, prayer starts with fellowship. Prayer starts with fellowship. Prayer starts with fellowship. In other words, I am going to give you plenty of verses. Don't worry about that. It's coming. Brother Hagan, he said, and of course, this is just typical of carnal people, what I'm going to tell you. You know, he's at Ramah. These are Ramah Bible school students, most of them adults, 18 or over. And he's walking across the campus. He's inundated with 20 students running up to him. Hey, Brother Hagin, Dr. Hagin, uh, would you pray about this? Would you pray about that? Like he's supposed to stop and just pray with him right then. Uh, and he made this comment on a tape. I was paying attention. He said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Next time I get in the Lord's presence, I'll talk to him about that for you. He says, I don't like to just go in the throne room and start asking God for stuff. I like to just come into His presence and just sort of hang out with Him a little bit and love on Him a little bit. Fellowship with Him is what He was saying. And then, maybe later, come down to some other things that I might want to talk to Him about. What if you went to prayer and started doing what I'm saying? Maybe you already do this. I don't know. But it just... You, you just and this would be all the further you got for a little while. You just came to God and you got in his presence. You say, Father, I just came. I want to love on you. I want to fellowship with you. I am so, I am so uh, just caught up with you, Father. You are so good to me. I love you. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for touching my life. Thank you for changing me. I just want to thank you, Father. I, I just love you. You are so good to me. Oh, God. Then you begin to maybe pray in tongues a little bit and just worship Him in the Spirit or just begin to continue and then maybe get quiet for a while. What if you just got that far in your prayer life, say, for a month, and you didn't get to the other? That that wouldn't be bad. But normally what happens with me when I begin to fellowship with Him... See, I was up in Indianapolis in that hotel room... uh, and I went up there to preach at the youth meeting, and I was sitting in this chair in the room, and, and the Lord said, you know, and I told this before publicly. I was worshiping the Lord, and I was talking to Him, just fellowshipping with Him, and I was kind of just getting quiet. I'd say something, then I'd be quiet a little bit, and He said, "I'm going to visit. I'm going to visit your church." Then, then last um, last Wednesday. We got in the Holy Ghost at the end of that service. Not that we weren't, but I mean in a more precise way. And uh, the Spirit of God said, He's come to abide here. Hallelujah. I sense Him right now. But See, see, He told me that when I was in fellowship with Him. I wasn't like really asking Him for anything at that moment. I was just communing with Him, fellowshiping. Now, I mean, I, I try to do that. I mean, to be honest, I try to do that 24 hours. I mean, not 24, but you understand, when I'm awake, I try to be in a constant sense of uh, maybe I could say sensitivity or readiness for anything he may want to say to me. And so you need, we need to learn to stay in that mode, but it takes time to practice that because you get inundated with so many things. Here's the problem with a lot of people, and I'll talk about this more fully before we go tonight. You're too distracted. That's why you never hear from Him, clearly, most of you. You hear from Him maybe about an issue or two if you pray long enough. But you ought to be hearing from God every day. He's interested in everything that you're interested in. You're His children. (laughs) I'm interested in what my son wants to do with his life. I'm interested in what my daughter and her husband are doing with their life because they're my children. I'm interested in what all of you are doing with your life you're my spiritual offspring, you see what I'm saying, and our heavenly Father, how much more? and many, many times while I'm just fellowshipping with God, I'm just talking to him about something I'm just you know this week I mean i you know, I felt like last Sunday's message last Sunday night was a very, very important message, and last Monday nights, the last session I had with the Bible school students. I'm telling you, that was probably one of the most outstanding messages I have ever taught in 30 years. (laughs) And I may teach it to all of you here real soon. I don't know if I start on faith. I probably will squirt out somewhere down through here. But I was just fellowshipping with the Father this week, thinking I would continue with this wonderful message on confession because confession is such an important subject. But I'm going to need to move on. And the Lord said to me this week, He said, I want you to start talking about prayer again, Michael. And I want you to start with fellowship with me. So this is his church. I'm his servant. I just do what he says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I mean, you know, it is true that his li- his name's not on the line down at the bank. My name is, but this is his church. All right, just talking. Are you in Psalm 25 yet? If you haven't found Psalm 25. Uh, just look on with a neighbor, you need real help psalm twenty five fourteen The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Notice that the secret of the lord the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. so this is selective. In the sense that it's with those who fear Him. And the Hebrew there indicates those who worship Him. The secret of the Lord, He's got some secrets He wants to reveal to you. I like to say it this way. He has things hidden for us, not from us. And the book of Proverbs indicates that's very true in several passages. He's hidden certain things for us, but not from us so that we might know Him. And then He says, for those people who qualify, verse 14 again, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, or worship Him, or revere Him, and He will show them His covenant. I mean, if He begins to show you His covenant, I mean, brothers and sisters, I mean, that's where it's all at in the covenant. And we're looking at this, of course, in the book of Psalms, but if we went over mentally, and we should spiritually too, over into the new covenant, he's telling us that those who uh, reverence him and worship him, he will, he will reveal this covenant to us called the new covenant. Now let me read from the Amplified, which is a good translation here of this particular verse in the um, Amplified Bible. Listen to these words, and then I'm going to go a little deeper with it. The secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear, revere, and worship Him. Let me ask you a question here. I'm just asking a question. Don't answer, please. But just want you to think about it. Do you have sweet, satisfying companionship? from the Lord it's available it's sweet it's satisfying and there's companionship there now you know you're not me so you don't know like I know what I'm going to tell you but these last few weeks few weeks here uh, it's been very difficult and yet it's been some of the most precious times I've had with the Lord because I've been before the Lord in my own heart to make sure I'm right in my heart and make sure that I haven't done anything wrong I shouldn't need to tell you that but I'm going to tell you and it's been some of the most sweet and satisfying and precious companionship I've had with him in in some moments of time I'm not depressed I'm not confused and furthermore he told me I'm okay and I'm right with him I was for all this started I have been through it and I still am so I don't know, you know, if that don't I hope that means something to you, but it means something to me. I'm not telling you to impress you. I'm just telling you what I know I heard from God. And Jesus, when I talked to him personally about it and he told me that, I said, hey, praise the Lord. <laughs> but see, all of us can have and should have sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord. It says, have they who fear, revere, and worship him. This is a qualifier for people who reverence God and worship Him and have a reverence towards God and towards the things of God. For those kind of people, they're going to have sweet, satisfying companionship from the Lord. Now let me say something to the teenagers, young people here. If you don't have that, you're going to end up in trouble. Because some young man or some woman will try to give you that and that will be trouble for you because you're not doing it in the will of God. See, and I don't want to say too much because, you know, people feel like I'm talking about them. But I happen to know of a young lady and she won't even bring her boyfriend around her parents. And they claim to all be spirit filled tongue talkers. What's up with that? Whenever you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, you can't bring around mom and dad that loves you. There's something wrong with you. And there's something wrong with that boyfriend or girlfriend. But see, if we'd learn to have the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord, hallelujah, He could meet all of our needs until God brings the right person in of our life. And then for all the people who have marriages that aren't too great sometimes, not you, but just you probably know somebody, that they're just tormented. It's not very good for them. Well, they need to learn to draw close to God too because He can help them where their mate's lacking. You know, their mate doesn't have to be lacking, but they might be lacking because they don't choose to be the person that God created them to be. They choose to be selfish and stubborn and rebellious and a couple other things. And that can go for male or female. Thank you. That's it. Um, hallelujah. This will just keep us in good stead with the Father if we learn to do this. And what I'm saying, this sweet, sweet, intimate, satisfying companionship with the Lord can help all of us. I mean, all of us move into another. Even if you feel like you've got some pretty, you, got it, you know, kind of like you've got it going on with God. All right. But it could be better. Let me read the rest of this from the Amplified. I love this verse in the Amplified. And then he says the second part, For those the secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear, revere, and worship Him. And He will show them His covenant and reveal to them its deep inner meaning. Wow. There's going to be revelation flow out of that relationship. From the Father. See, it says He's going to show them and reveal to them the covenant and its deep inner meaning. Hallelujah. That's wonderful, isn't it? Now, this was interesting here. I got to meditating on this verse. I think you can tell that as I'm talking now. The secret of the Lord. I said, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. Those who worship. The secret of the Lord is with them who worship Him. The secret of the Lord. So I said, the secret of the Lord. Okay. Well, I've already mentioned something to you, you know, that he's got secrets to tell you. And then I began to think about it. I said, um, I was in my house, I was downstairs, I said, I'm going to check that word out in the Hebrew when I get upstairs, because I had a Strong's, and I'm going to have a desk Damn. to put my thing. <laughs> yeah, I got a little round table, like coffee table there now or something. <laughs> but anyway, at my Strong's, I'd put some reference books upstairs in my new office there, kind of. And I went upstairs, and I looked it up in the Hebrew, and this word secret, when I looked it up, it says the hollowing out of a vessel. The hollowing out of a vessel. Now, in the New Testament, the Bible tells us, stick with me a minute, you'll see this. In the New Testament, it says we are the vessels of God. In the Old Testament, David said in Psalm, well, we're close by, you know, Psalm 23, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over he's not talking about a cup literal cup he drinks talking about him and in the new testament and i think it's in timothy talks about being vessels of honor or vessels of dishonor and it said the hollowing out of a vessel well i got thinking well wait a minute now what is it the secret of the lord so first as i was meditating, see when you meditate god will give you revelation hear what i said i mentioned this last sunday night in the word confession means to meditate i was meditating on this word secret all week off and on, not every moment, because I had staff meeting. I had to meet with people that are getting married and do counseling and all kinds of stuff that preachers, pastors do, the good ones do. And so I'm meditating on that uh, and putting that into my daily meditation time. I'm thinking the secret of the Lord, the hollowing out of the vessel of the Lord is with those who worship Him. I'm trying to think. what. So first I had this revelation from the Lord, I think, and He said, When you worship me, it begins to clean out you and allow me to fill you. Then he said to me, the secret of the Lord, the hollowing out of the vessel of the Lord, have those who worship him. I began to see God pouring himself into me when I worshiped him. And then, now He's never really empty because He's eternal and He's continually full because that's who He is. He's full of life, full of light, full of love, full of faith, full of power. But as I worship Him, I empty myself out. I let, the, I let the power of God work in me. As I'm not conscious of this. I'm just worshiping the Lord. But He's hollowing me out and things are coming out and He's filling me up with Himself. Golly. What a verse of Scripture. And I, I begin to get more and more revelation on that about the secret of the Lord. It's with those of us who worship Him and reverence Him. Now, we know from teaching in the past on reverence and, and fear towards the Lord, it's not talking about oh, we're afraid of the Lord like this, like, oh, it's something He's going to get us. But we uh, have a reverential attitude, and to have reverence towards the Lord is to have reverence towards the book. See, that's why sometimes when I say to you, well, you know, I'm taking a stand on the Word of God and some people don't want to get in agreement with that. See, and, and, and so, you know, when it comes to things like that, I have to be adamant about it, even if it means separation from somebody because they won't get on the Word. And I didn't make that decision for them. They made it for themselves or to try to twist some scripture and, and make it sound like it's not really, make it you know, not say what it's really saying there. Now, I've already said this to you, but let me, let me continue. Prayer starts with fellowship, and then I wrote this comment down. Real prayer, real prayer flows from fellowship. Real prayer flows out of my fellowship with the Father. All right, now I have a piece of paper here that had several uh, translations on it of um, <clears throat> verse 14, and I'd like to read a few of them. I'm still on Psalm twenty-five, fifteen. It says, uh, King James, Secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. This next one says, The secret of the Lord is with those in whose hearts is the fear of Him. He will make His agreement clear to them next one the close secret of Yahweh belongs to those who fear him his covenant also to bring them knowledge I like that then he says here oh this is good the Lord confides his purposes to those who fear him he confides in those of us who reverence him he confides his purposes to us that he has for us and then he says and his covenant is theirs to know This one, here's another one. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence Him. With them alone He shares the secrets of His promises. And that's Taylor's translation. Kenneth Taylor, who's the guy that wrote the Living Bible. It's not even a translation, but that is a superb translation. I mean, uh, interpretation of that verse. Here's one, I like this one. Intimate communion with the Lord is the prerogative of those who revere Him. To them only He reveals His covenant. See, all this falls back on us. It's our responsibility. It's our prerogative whether we choose that we want to fellowship with God like that. Yeah, but uh, Pastor, you, you, my life, I've got so many things. My marriage, my kids, my money, my this, my that. I know, but if you would just take the time to start with what I'm teaching you, you're going to find that when you get in the presence of God, really get before Him and really begin to love on Him. And you could share your heart with Him. It's okay. He knows what's going on, but you could talk to Him. But I guarantee you what He'll do, He'll put His finger on the real issue. If you're serious about it, I guarantee you. And a lot of times maybe, you know, He might say, well, here's the real problem. You thought it was this, but this is the real issue right here. And he will speak to us because what's, he's revealing his covenant to us as his vessels. hallelujah. my goodness what a what a wonderful thing we're learning tonight and we're talking about tonight. Now, let's go over here to the book of Revelation, chapter two, with me a moment um, we're doing pretty good on time. I, I think I can take a few more minutes and share a few more thoughts and stuff. And then we're probably going to spend a little bit of time at the end of the service with worshiping the Lord. I don't know if we'll get much beyond that. But I want you to put this into your prayer time, your, your, your personal time with the Lord this week. Please, I would like you to do that. And begin to spend some more priority on just fellowshipping with the Father. Uh, Anyway, let's look here at Revelation chapter 2. And let's begin in verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Uh, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. That ought to show us right there that just because somebody says there's something, sometimes they are not. And has found them liars. What a powerful scripture, my goodness. And has borne and has patience. At least these people had enough common sense to try something. To try some people that said, Well, I'm anointed and I can do well. <laughs> You know, and these guys all failed evidently, or ladies too. And has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Now he's commending them here. But verse 4 says, nevertheless I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Now I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I was a drug addict, a drug dealer. I was used to being with kind of rowdy, wild type of people. A lot of them were violent. A lot of them were selfish. All of them were selfish. All of them were full of pride. All of them were full of lust. All of them were evil, including me. And when I got saved, I wanted to be around Jesus, and I wanted to be around the church. I mean, nobody had to ever open their mouth and teach for five minutes about church attendance. It was just in me. I don't don't understand people that get saved that don't get this. You know, I mean, I'm not throwing that at you, but I'm just talking. And nobody had to tell me, I mean, when the first time I heard tithe, it wasn't an issue. It's never been an issue for her or me 30 years now. Just, okay, sure. What do you need, Father? Here you go. I mean, you changed my life. I mean, it's no big deal. And, and it is with all the things I've learned over these years. I'm not fighting against the scriptures. And people say, well, I'm spiritual. Pastor, I don't agree with this. You know, stuff like that. And want to fight you over it instead of just being compliant with something that's clearly revealed in Scripture. I mean, I have a problem with people like that. I'm just being honest with you. And, you know, you could be one of them eventually. I just haven't hit the right thing yet for you, maybe. And that's when you have to make decision whether, well, the Bible does teach that. I can see pastors. I, and he's in the New Testament, too, about it. <laughs> He can show me from, yeah, okay. You know, it came, to revel, it came as a revelation to me first time I heard Brother Hagin say, you're responsible to get to deal with the devil. You know, I was always taught, to ask God to do something about it. And, and he gave four scriptures from the New Testament. I, mean, I never went back from that moment before. I said, devil, get off of me. I bind you. I rebuke you. I cast you out. Whatever I got to do. You don't got nothing on me. You don't got no place in me. It's over now. I'm not asking God anything about the devil anymore. I found out that was unscriptural to even pray that way. Oh, God, get the devil off me. He's not. He already did. He whipped him. He he died and then he went to hell and rose from death and and took away the keys of hell and death from the devil. And the Bible says he destroyed him or brought him to naught who had the power of death, that is the devil, and delivered us who through fear... We're in bondage all of our lifetime. Once Brother Hagen taught that one time, I, I caught on to it and I never, ever went back. I mean, just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just, I hope that's with, true of everybody, but I know that's true of me. I'm not fighting Revelation. I don't mean the book of Revelation, I mean Revelation knowledge. But here's what we see in this church their main thing was they fell away from their first love, which was fellowship with God. I have seen. Over the years and recently, that people can come to church three, four times a week and be meaner than an old junkyard dog. When you get them alone privately and you really talk to them about the real issues of their life, they're angry, they're snarling, they're biting, they're devouring. And not only that, if they really had integrity and they walked away, they could just walk away. But when they don't, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. See, we're talking about leaving our first love, which is fellowship with God. I used to work construction. I mean, I was a drug addict. Then I then I began to work in a cement plant. Then I began to work construction. And you know, I would work, get up at 5 in the morning, get in my old 56 Chevy pickup truck, drive an hour to work. Carried my toolbox away weighed 125 pounds with one arm on this shoulder. Back in those days, I could do that. And never, never let it bug me. Carry that sucker for half a mile, I have to park a half a mile out in the parking lot to go at once I got to work. Carry that toolbox and carry it back out at night because you couldn't trust people, to, they'd steal your tools. Put them in a big lockbox and they'd break it off and steal everybody's tools. And thieves and liars and robbers. And anyway, but I mean, I would drive, get, do all that, and drive back to church, and I'd get there if the praise and worship was over, if we were having revival, because I just loved being at church. No, no, my pastor didn't have to say, now, Michael, you need to get yourself down there at church. I mean, I couldn't hardly wait till, church, till uh, work was over, not because I was tired of working, just I wanted to go to church. See, I wanted to be around God's people. They weren't singing much of faith back then. Maybe they'd hit a line or two out of an old hymn that had some faith on it, but a lot of it was just, you know, just nonsense, you know. Spare me nothing, you know. Oh, I don't want to even go down that street. Anyway, but I was so hungry, this is my point, for fellowship with other people who knew my Savior. I wanted to be there with them. I didn't know what I know now, but still I was hungry. And I would I lived on a farm back then, not at first but later I did and even when I lived in an apartment, I was praying all the time, praying on the way to work, praying on the way home, praying at lunchtime if I could, uh, praying in the middle of the night sometimes, even back then. I wasn't even in full time ministry. Go to the prayer meeting every time we had one. Nobody had to tell me to go. I wanted to be there. Hallelujah. See, if we're not careful, we lose out with our first love. And it's not just church attendance, it's the attitude of our heart. And that privately we're spending enough time with God that we're moving and flowing with what God's doing at church. You see what I'm saying? And people can know the scriptures and get away from fellowship with God and just get mean and still quote scriptures. So we just we're talking about here fell that we're talking about fellowship with now if we could if we all can and we can, we just showed you, have sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord. I mean, if you came in here and you'd been having that all week, I mean, and me too, and all of us see, you can see, and we're starting to do this more, having sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord. Then our relationship, like with Paul here, my relationship with him is on the right basis. I'm not uh, requiring something out of Him that only God can give me. And for this lady right here, who is my wife of 30 years, I'm not requiring something out of her that she can't give me. She can help a lot. I could bless her a lot, but I'm not Jesus. You see what I'm saying? I mean, there's some elements here that we got to get from the Lord and Him only. And that's why people are many times so frustrated. Hallelujah. So what was the problem with these people? They left their first love. I'm not accusing you of not doing that. I'm not saying that you've done that. I'm just trying to point out something to you. That Jesus put a great premium on staying in your first love was when you met Jesus. You know, all of us were like this. We didn't know anything. We may have thought we knew something, but we didn't know much at all. We just barely got to the altar or just barely prayed. But we loved him, and we knew he loved us. How many can relate to what I'm saying? Come on, Joe, help me here, brother. And, and and we wanted to be around him, and we want you know nobody had to tell me to mark my Bible up. And this is a brand new one, but I've got some in the office I could show you. Look like they've been ran over on the freeway, and it was me that ran over them. I mean, I was hurt, scratching every scripture out, and I got colors everywhere. It Looks like a rainbow on some pages. But here's my point. Nobody had to tell me to read the Bible. I just started reading the Bible. And you know, I was dumb, but I mean, I was reading. I was hungry. I didn't, know much. I didn't know how to rightly divide some things back then, like I do today. And I still don't know everything, but I've come a fur piece, as they say in the country. And I tell you, here's the thing. You've got to examine yourself, all of us, continually, that we don't leave our first love. See, my first... My first thing is to love him. What did let's go to Mark 12 here? Look at something here in Mark. I believe it's Mark 12. Let me find it here. Mark 12. Verse 29 through 31. I know you're you're listening to me tonight. And we're talking about some real simple things, and yet they they seem like they're hitting us in a good way. Talking about prayer. Um Jesus says here in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 and following, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, or we would say all your passion. This is the first commandment. And the second is like namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So my first commitment then is to who? To the Father. To love Him with all my heart and all my mind and all my soul and all all that I am. Hallelujah. See, we're still talking about what if I loved Him with all my heart, and I do, and all my mind, all my strength, all my soul, what is that? Isn't that fellowship with Him? Well, sure it is, and it's an intimacy with Him. And there's something in me that's passionate towards that. You know, see, you, you as a church, I know this church, you're, you're better than most, but we're still learning here. Some people think that the pastor is supposed to drop everything he does and come out, you know, to the outer office because you show up And you don't have an appointment and it's not an emergency and you're not dying in the next five minutes and drop everything he's doing and sit, go back in the lunchroom and have a cup of coffee with you. I've had to tell people, bless their hearts and, you know, whatever, untrained heads. I told this one guy, he was kind of irritated with me and I said, well, what's the problem here? And he said, well, I've come by here five times to see you and you're busy. I said, did you make an appointment, sir? He said, no, sir. He didn't even call me, sir. He just said, no. I said, well, why didn't you make an appointment? Well, I just thought that you'd just, you know, be able to see me. I said, was it an emergency? He said, no. I said, well, what gave you that impression? Well, I used to be at this other church, and I went down and had coffee with the pastor. five, four, five, six times a week. And I, and I felt sorry for the pastor, and I felt sorry for him all at the same time. You know, I'm thinking, boy, that's really a hopping church. I said, well, sir, we don't operate around here like this. I'm in charge here, and this is the way I conduct business. You call my secretarial staff. You make an appointment to be here Tuesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and and Pastor Jacobs will be here at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'll welcome you into my office for 45 minutes, and we'll sit down and talk. If you don't do that, you can't expect me to stop everything else I'm doing. For you, I don't operate like that. This is not a slipshod operation. Does your dentist do you that way? Does your doctor do you that way? Does your lawyer do you that way? Does your banker do you that way? No. I said, well, then you shouldn't expect me and you shouldn't be offended. And furthermore, I'm not going to be your best friend, buddy. You're a sheep in this house. I'm your pastor. And if you need me, I'll be there. But you just can't expect me to drop everything to just come out and chat with you about you mowing the grass this morning. What's the matter with people? See, because... see. His first commitment wasn't to what I'm teaching. And he sure didn't care that I had that kind of commitment. My staff knows if I tell them, I'm going in my office to pray, I don't want to be disturbed. I don't care if there's an earthquake. I don't care if there's a hurricane. Unless somebody drops on half dead on the foyer floor, you could come knock on my door and I'll see about it. If my wife calls, you can disturb me. If Dr. Dufresne, my spiritual father, calls, you can disturb me. Other than that, no. I'm in there with Jesus. I'm in there praying. I'm in there talking to him about things that we need to talk about so I can be a better pastor. And if I came out for everybody to want to talk about the grass and the hubcaps on the car and, you know, the color paint we painted it and this and that and everything else, you know what I'm saying, just trivial stuff. It's important to, to everybody in their own right that it's not important when it comes to what I'm talking about. It takes a fifth, tenth, twentieth place to fellowship with God. And that's why some people never make spiritual progress. That's what I'm trying to tell you. They don't love God with all their strength. They love their home with all their strength. They love their car with all their strength. They love their, 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 their this and that with all their strength. Their recreation with all their strength. Love God with all their strength. Thank you. Thank you, whoever said that. 1 Corinthians 7. Let's go over here just a minute. I'm not mad. I'm just pointing out some truth. And, and this young man, you know what? He, he, he couldn't take it. I mean, he took what I said to him, and I wasn't mean, I wasn't aggressive. I'm sounding a little more fired up right now maybe than I was with him, but he needed to be taught. He'd never had a real pastor. And unfortunately, that pastor didn't know how to be a pastor. He was everybody's buddy. I mean, even if I go play golf with you or tennis with you or fishing with you, I'm not your buddy, I'm your pastor. Now, I'm your friend in the sense of being in covenant with you, but when you reduce me down to your buddy... You're not going to get much out of me spiritually. Remember what I started out talking about tonight, how you talk to the people you're around. And sometimes my my, my uh, fellowship with people is on kind of a low level because they make it that way. Some people know how to push on my spiritual buttons. Brother Jacob here, we were eating at a restaurant, I don't know, last week. And he asked me some question there. And, of course, I knew some of the answer, but I didn't. And before I knew it, I knew more than I thought I did. It just started coming out of me. And we sit there for about 25 minutes just talking about the things of God. I mean, it's not that we were sitting there cussing and telling jokes before that. But I mean, we got into some things spiritually that were really kind of deep, kind of a little bit, little stronger than normal because he asked the right question. And then he let me talk. (laughs) He didn't interrupt me every two minutes and interject something because I was going somewhere. Some people don't have any patience. You know, I'm getting ready to tell them something, and they just cut me off. And so, you know, you just can't help some people. Now we're talking here about this fellowship with the Lord. Right? Amen. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35. I want you to see something here. I know the context here is couples and single people and all that kind of thing, and that's appropriate. But there's a comment made here that's important. First Corinthians seven thirty-five. This I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but that for that which is calmly and that here it is that you may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Now it's talking here mainly about a person who's single, who doesn't have the responsibility of caring for a mate. Because there's some responsibilities you have as a husband or wife, and you need to take care of that. But there's also a spiritual counterpart to this, and that is that sometimes Father wants you to learn how to attend upon Him without distraction, and you got too many distractions. Well, I'm going to go worship the Lord for 30 minutes, or 20, or 15 minutes. Let's just say 10 minutes, and you get back there in your room and you start worshiping the Lord. You've been there about 30 seconds, and the phone's ringing. And you feel compelled to stop your conversation with your Creator to go answer your phone. Well, pastor, it could be important. Well, brothers and sisters, they could call you back. You're, You're distracted. Oh father I I just love you so much. Oh I think there's a ham sandwich in the refrigerator waiting on me. Man, I think I'm hungry. Oh, I know I'm hungry now. I'm going to really go do this, father, and I'm gonna, and you go, you know, and you're trying to lock in on father, I just worship you and thank you and then all of a sudden, you know, some thought runs through your mind and they said that, didn't they? And you're just about in strife about it, you know, and you're trying to fellowship with God because somebody said something about you it was ugly. See, you're distracted. You, you, know, you know, you're not going to get very far in there. You're going to have to pay attention to your own self and your own mind and make some rigid rules on you. I let, let me tell you something. In, you're, you're blessed if I ever answer the phone. My wife can tell you I could let it ring off the wall just go right on with my life. Is that true? I would never answer it if it wasn't just, and of course, you know, I'm just telling you me, that's just me. And I don't ever read newspapers because they're full of lies. The birds are the ones that have the right idea, you know, that goes in the bottom of the birdcage. <clears throat> yeah, but you just need to know about your community, let me tell you. No, let me tell you, you don't know about your God and whatever you got for the community, the community don't need it. There's nothing wrong with reading a newspaper. But if you're not giving equal time to God, you're, you're busted tonight. You're not giving, you can sit and read a newspaper for an hour and a half and give God ten minutes from a promise box, and you wonder why you can't see miracles. It ought to be evident that's the answer. See, we're so distracted. I'm not criticizing. I'm just, I mean, I've been there a hundred times. Pastors are busy people. Those of us who know something and want, want to do something for God, I've got lots of stuff going on all the time. All the time. My staff could tell you. Not bragging on me, I'm just telling you. Very busy person. But I've had to learn, and I have come back to this regularly, and I have to say, Father, I'm going to attend upon you without distraction. And, I, and here's what I do. I say, Father, you're going to help me. I got a lot on my mind right now, but I've just, I'm rolling all of my cares on you. I'm rolling them on you once and for all. I'm not going to pick them back up in this time with you. I'm just going to interact with you. Father, I worship you. And then maybe as you get into it, you know, for those who understand this, the Spirit-filled, Oh, la masia. Ah, I worship and praise you, Father. Oh, masoko boquite. Begin to worship him out of your spirit. And then as you get quiet, the Lord will bring to you things that you need to know or you need to know about somebody or you need to pray about something, things like that. There's nothing wrong with having a list, but we've got to learn to do this first. Let me show you what Jesus said was distractions. Would anybody like to know what some of them are? Let's go to Mark chapter 4. And so we're learning some things tonight. I'm just about through. I know we're running close here, but Mark 4. And, you know, the parable of the sower, sowing the word. Mark 4, 14 through 20. I don't want to read the whole passage, but let's pick it up here in verse 16. Mark 4, 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, they heard the word, but immediately, and immediately they receive it with gladness. That's good so far. And have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. You know, Jesus said, "...those who endure to the end shall be saved, redeemed, delivered, healed, well, sound, blessed, healthy, wealthy." Hallelujah. But these people endure just for a time. Afterwards, notice this, when affliction, that word in the Greek is the word thalipsis, it means pressure, due to circumstances... Or persecution, and that always comes from other people, my friends. Ariseth for the Word's sake. You know, when I get some pressure in my life, and I get it pretty regularly, almost daily, but I just don't receive it. And the only reason I get it, mainly, is because I'm on the Word. I mean, you think, listen to some Christians, they think the only reason they get it is because they're not living right. Do you ever think living right would create it? Did you ever read what Paul told Timothy, all who live godly will suffer persecution? Didn't say you buckle under it, just said there's going to be some persecution coming your way. And then there's, then there's affliction, pressure due to circumstances, and then there's persecution that comes from people, and it says it all comes for the Word's sake. See what I'm saying? It's when you're on the Word. What I've been teaching you tonight, it's taught you right out of the Bible, out of the Word of God. And when you uh, begin to do that, there might be some pressure. People don't understand. That young guy, if he'd have listened to me, the guy that thought I ought to stop everything, I'm back in there praying for somebody that's marriage is going down the toilet unless they get a miracle or they're going to die if they don't get a miracle and they want me to stop have coffee at that point. It's okay to drink a cup of coffee. I like coffee, but not in, not in a trade for that. And he should have got a clue. But see, he was was immature and he wanted to stay immature. So he got offended and went back to his other church where his pastor drops everything to have coffee with all the members at any time. I'd sure hate to be in a jam with that pastor if I was critical and expect him to have some faith if he's having coffee. Because I tell you, your members will kill you if you let them. Not in a church like this because you're smarter than that. You're more spiritual than that. I've taught you better than that. And I know what I'm doing. But I'm not criticizing that, but I'm just saying that's what you'd get, nothing. You'd get a coffee prayer. See, all these things arise because of the Word. You want to be a Word person? This is what you get, pressure and persecution. Well, I don't like that. Well, then just quit being a Word person and don't give God anything to do in your life and you never have any response from Him. I know you don't want that. When your baby's burning up with fever, you want a response from him. You want it yesterday. Well, you're going to have to be on the Word to have it. Because he's not doing it just because you're cute. Or just because your baby's cute. Is that right? I'm being your pastor now, trying to help. God's only doing the Word. He's not doing what, what Baptists think, Catholics or Pentecostals think. He's only doing the Word. He, he said, signs follow His Word. Now let's look here. It says, comes for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. My goodness, they get offended because they're persecuted. They get offended because there's pressure. And these are they which are sown among thorns. Here it is. Such as hear the word. And the cares of the world, of this world, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. These are some of the things that cause distraction. That's what I was pointing out. You get persecuted, somebody somebody gets mad at you and says something bad about you and you're ready, ready to throw down the Bible over it. Well, that's not the way to be. We need to stay on the Word. If they, if they, if they all change and get in agreement with you, that's great, but if they don't, that's great too. you are still got Jesus. He isn't going to leave you. He is the Word. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to a, a one last passage back here. In Deuteronomy, I know I'm switching back and forth from the Old and New Testament a little bit. Deuteronomy chapter 10. I'm going to close with this. And uh, man, I've enjoyed this tonight. I hope you have too. We're talking about prayer. Um, You know, let me say one other comment before I read Deuteronomy 10. I'm going to read a verse out of here. If you're a person that is kind of not too disciplined, don't be offended. But you know, you just you know, you just don't seem to be able to be very disciplined. You need to really have a time to pray, and a place to pray, every day. Now, if you're beyond that and you're just walking with God day by day, that's a little different for some of us who we started with a place to pray and a time to pray, and we still have those moments and places and segments of time where we do get with God. I myself on. A, Wednesdays I get in my office by three o'clock and I three or four there around three if I can and normally I'm not doing a lot of other things I'm just locking in for the service at night and the same about other days of the week I'd have certain patterns but I'm learning to walk with God but when I was undisciplined about it I had to set a time I don't know for years and years we were on slate run road down there six years I prayed every day I had a prayer time in the morning And then I found in the Bible where in the book of Acts they prayed at 3 o'clock every day. So I prayed at 3 o'clock every day for about 4 years from 3 to 4. And then I did some other things. At one time we had 5 prayer meetings in this church back on Slate Run Road and back on State Street. And I conducted all of them back then. Plus preached 3 times a week. So I know what I'm talking about. The 16 years we had a Monday night prayer meeting. We changed it once or twice maybe to Tuesday or Thursday. It didn't work. We came back to Monday and so for 16 years I taught on intercessory prayer every Monday night for one hour and I ended up at the end with about 40 people out of 300. And for most of those years there was 7 of us, then there was 12 of us, then there was 15 of us. And that went on for years and years and years out of 300 people. You'd think people would want to come learn how to pray, but it wasn't in them. Or they would have been here. And I don't know if I'll ever go back to that, but I'm doing what I'm doing on Sunday night now. And if you're here, you can learn. I'm willing to teach you everything I know. I don't know everything, but I know something about prayer. Hallelujah. So find a time to pray if you're undisciplined. And listen, don't choke yourself. You're not a spiritual giant. Here's what people do. Oh, I'm going to pray every day from 5 to 6. And you've never prayed for an hour in your life. You're going to wear out about uh, 5.07. And then you're going to be mad at yourself by the time you get to work because you're frustrated, you're condemning yourself because you couldn't figure out anything else to pray after seven minutes. I know you. I just know people. I had a pastor friend, he said, and I was having my Monday night prayer meeting, uh, and we would teach for an hour. How many was a part of that Monday night at one time? Look at the hands here, and they would vouch for me. I would teach one hour, and we'd pray one hour. Is that right? Basically. And he, because he, I did that, he said, it's one of my uh, sons, um, you know, that got related to me. didn't come out of our church. But he said, I'm going to do that on Wednesday night. I said, Pastor, have you ever prayed with your people for 30 minutes solid? No. How about 15? Well, I don't know. Maybe 10. I said, you're going to choke them to death the first Wednesday. And the next Wednesday, you're going to have about four people show up because they're not used to praying an hour and that's just too big of a load for people that aren't used to praying like that you got to sort of build up to that you know muscle builder he didn't go out and try to uh you know brother kidwell's not here tonight you know but he's a strapping guy if you've ever run into him it's about like running into a piece of lumber you know, how many know who i'm talking about larry his arms are about as big as my thigh and 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 just about as hard as that piano and uh you know, he could, he could lift some weights, but you get in there in the weight room try to do what he's doing, you're allowed to rip all your joints out, you know, because you're just not used to it yet. Oh, don't condemn yourself. Here's my point. Make it legitimate that you could do it. How about 10 minutes to start at some time during the morning or 15? And then as you grow in it, man, you get in it and you're in the flow. And here's always a good thing, that when you get done praying, you could have went longer instead of going, well, I still got 15 more minutes. That's not good. <laughs> See, you feel negative about the prayer time, you feel negative about yourself. So get something that you feel is manageable to start with. It stretches you some, but it doesn't stretch you like that. You know, you you, you know, I know I moved recently and man, I mean I had some muscles I hadn't seen in years. I didn't know they were all talking to me the next day or two. You know, you know what I'm saying. When you're, when you're 27, they say, lift that piano. Ha! <laughs> you know, when you're 50, you say, hey, we got a dolly anywhere? <laughs> Give me about 10 guys up here real quick, you know. <laughs> Smart. Older guys are a little smarter sometimes. Hallelujah. Yeah, you learn. You learn one way or another. I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8. Look at this. And now we're the new covenant priesthood, aren't we? You know that. I didn't have time to take you to Peter and Revelation other verses I had. I just didn't have time. It says at that time, verse 8, Deuteronomy ten, eight. at that time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord to stand before the Lord. Look at this. To minister unto Him. To minister unto Him. I ought to underline that. To minister unto Him. And to bless in His name. So what it is, is the first thing, a priority, was to minister to Him. And then after you ministered to Him, and, and you're full of Him, and you're, you've been in uh, uh, a dialogue with Him and an exchange with Him, where you have touched His heart, He's touched your heart, He's filled you up with Himself. Then you go bless in His name. Hallelujah. I know that I'm trying to walk in that more and more, but I know Jenny, she, you know, I knew she was having a little bit of a, I don't know, just a problem lately with some stuff. She's pregnant and stuff. Not a problem with her pregnancy, but just hormones and things, different things. Can make you feel different. I'm not making fun. And uh, I saw her at the picnic yesterday, and the Lord just said, Rock over and put your hands on her shoulders and just say something in faith to her. And I did, and and while I'm saying that, I'm releasing my faith. For the power of God to go into her, and she stopped me today on the way leaving church. Said, "Pastor, I feel like a new lady today. You still feel that way? Excellent. Hallelujah. What's that? That's the blessing that comes out of spending time with Him. I'm not taking personal credit for it. I'm not the healer, I, but I've no I fellowship with Him, who is the healer, and who is the deliverer, and who is the provider. And then I'm able to minister out to other people better. Hallelujah. Jessica, come on up and the team come back real quick. I know, I apologize, I went a little longer than I intended. You learn anything tonight? I want us to sing one song, and if you're willing to commit with me tonight, we've learned a little bit about, uh, I want to do Ever Living God.